0: Welcome to On the Investor's Minds. I'm Tai Hui, the Chief Market Strategist for Asia Pacific at JP Morgan Asset Management. Thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time to learn about what's on the investor's minds and what you can do about it. Now, in the past month, investors have been focusing on the possible repercussions of the problems in the US and European banking sectors. Many are making the comparison with the 2008 and 2009 global financial crisis. A month after the closure of Silicon Valley Bank this is a good time to take stock of some of the observations and what this means for investors in the coming months and quarters. There are some positives, some worries and of course some unknowns that we need to acknowledge. So we would like to share with you these observations that will help us to navigate the investment landscape. As usual we will have the key summary takeaways at the end of this podcast. So three things I want to focus on. Number one What are the positives from the recent banking crisis? Number two, what are the challenges ahead and the threat of a recession? And number three, what does that mean for asset allocation? So, what have we learned so far? There are both positives and negatives. On the positive side, central banks have learned their lessons from the global financial crisis. They understand that a timely policy response can help to contain the contagion effect as well as reduce the scale of intervention further down the line. In the case of Silicon Valley Bank, protecting all deposits limited the deposit outflows by other small and medium-sized regional banks. More importantly, the Bank Term Funding Program introduced by the Federal Reserve has helped to improve liquidity in the financial system. Despite the mark-to-market losses of some of the securities held by the banks, they can obtain liquidity from the Fed equivalent to the full value of these securities a rapid decline in liquidity created additional stress for financial institutions during the GFC, even though the fundamentals of many of these banks and financial institutions were in good shape. Hence, this liquidity policy should help to maintain stability in the financial system. The fact that UBS bought Credit Suisse, facilitated by the Swiss regulator, also diffused a potentially damaging shock to the European banking system even though the treatment of Credit Suisse's shareholders and AT1 bondholders was controversial. Now, we've seen similar experience in the US in March 2020, when the pandemic started, as the Fed also pledged to provide liquidity to both the government bond market and the corporate debt market. In September 2022, the Bank of England also intervened to support the government bond market when the UK government was penalized by investors for its aggressive tax cut program. These examples reflect that central banks have understood the importance of timely liquidity measures to stabilize market confidence and reduce systemic risk in the financial system. The recent episodes have also curbed the hawkish attitude of central banks. Many central banks believe their top and only priority was to bring the inflation down, even if that meant putting the economy into recession. They want to be seen as determined and capable of bringing back price stability after being behind the curve in curbing price increases. The stress in the banking sector reminded them that monetary tightening can have a delayed and far-reaching impact on the whole economy. Both the Fed and the European Central Bank have since toned down the enthusiasm to raise interest rates, deciding to be more mindful of incoming economic data and also any additional signs of stress in the financial system. But there are also negatives. Many would argue that the SVB incident is a reflection of a bank with management issues that's been exposed by the high-interest rate environment. There could be other banks with similar characteristics that could also come under pressure. The rising cost of capital could become more of a problem for companies that have too much debt or are failing to make a profit. This means we could see more financial institutions or companies struggle in an environment with high interest rates central banks have been able to apply prompt measures to limit bank runs and liquidity squeeze amongst financial institutions, there are still going to be negative consequences for the economy. Banks in the US have been tightening their lending standards since late 2022, and the recent troubles in the banking sector are likely to persuade banks' risk management teams to be even more cautious. Deposit outflows and negative impact on a bank's capital base could also curb lending further so corporations may find it more difficult and expensive to get funding to invest. As we've argued in the past, a pullback in corporate investment has been a regular fixture of the US economic recession since the Second World War. Now, there are also concerns with commercial real estate, or CRE. Rental yields have not picked up because of relatively high vacancy rates, and this looks less attractive when risk-free rates are rising. Hence, there is some pressure on office space, and this could present a challenge to banks that have a CRE exposure. However, the residential market, including multifamily properties, is showing more resilience. The job market is solid with steady wage growth. Also, the surge in mortgage rates in the past year meant that a lot of potential buyers have decided to postpone buying a home, take out a mortgage, and keep renting. Hence, it is important to differentiate between different parts of the real estate market and manage risk accordingly. So finally, what does all this mean for investors? Central banks and regulators have so far managed to stabilise the banking sector with timely policies. We also think that the recent episodes would have curbed central banks' hawkishness in policy tightening, whether in the US or in Europe. This would also imply the upside risk of bond yields is limited. This is not only reflected in the sharp drop in government bond yields and steepening of the yield curve, the growth sector, especially technology, has also enjoyed a period of valuation re-rating. While a possible peak in bond yields would be supportive of equity valuations, we see there is more room for U.S. corporate earnings to be downgraded, especially if the economy falls into a deeper-than-expected recession. The current valuation and earnings expectations are arguably yet to fully factor in such a scenario. The same applies to U.S. corporate high-yield debt, The overall fundamentals, including the maturity profile and leverage ratio, looks relatively healthy. This should help to limit the rise in defaults if the economy slows further. However, we could still see the credit spread widened by 100 to 200 basis points from its current level. Hence, we believe investors should prioritize high-quality fixed income over equities in the next three to six months, as the US economy fully reflects the impact of higher rates, And for fixed income, the bias towards high quality points towards government bonds and investment-grade corporate credits. As recession concerns push government bond yields lower, they could potentially generate a positive price return. For investment-grade bonds, it should show greater resilience with a much more modest credit spread widening. On equities, investors can benefit from international diversification as U.S. equities reflect the reality of the U.S. economy we see Chinese equities and selected sectors in Asian equities to benefit from the recovery of the Chinese economy. We discussed this in detail in our last episode. The bright outlook of Chinese corporate earnings over U.S. profit growth has historically coincided with the outperformance of Chinese markets both onshore and offshore compared to the U.S. So, three key takeaways. Number one, Central banks and regulators have been prompt in implementing policies to reinforce public and market confidence, which helps to maintain liquidity and reduce financial systemic risks. Number two. However, the impact from higher rates will still continue to be felt. This could be problems with individual financial institutions or companies with vulnerable balance sheets or poor profitability. Tightening lending condition is also raising the risk of a recession in the US. Number three. Given all these uncertainties, we prefer fixed income over equities, especially for high quality fixed income such as government bonds and investment grade corporate credits. The relative certainty from fixed income's cash flow is valuable in uncertain times. On equities, we see China's recovery to benefit Chinese equities and selected sectors in Asia. Thanks for listening. If you've got any questions or comments, please reach out to your JP Morgan Asset Management client advisor. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues by rating and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform. And don't forget to subscribe via Apple, Google, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you can be kept up to date every time when a new episode comes along.
1: This content is intended for information only, based on assumptions in current market conditions, and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. JP Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of JPMorgan Chase and & Company and its affiliates worldwide.